0: I've said this before, I've actually started uh, sermons out like this before, and I think it's good to hear, so I'm going to start this one out the same way. But The Bible is revelation. Okay, This book is revelation. Now, now I'm not talking about the book of revelation, I'm talking about the word revelation, which means it reveals things to us. This book reveals things to us. It reveals all kind of stuff to us. Uh, Actually, in, in 2 Peter, it says that, Holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit to write. So that is what happened. God spoke to men over a period of centuries in different places all over the world, and they wrote this book. As they were influenced by the Holy Spirit, they wrote these sacred texts that we have today called the Bible. Now, and here we have it, and it reveals stuff to us. What does it reveal? Well, it reveals all kinds of different things. It, it reveals historical events that happened. The Bible was historically accurate. It, it reveals God's law. Remember, God gave that in Exodus. It reveals Jesus Christ to us, one of the most important things in the whole book. It reveals truth to us, what the truth is. It reveals even futuristic events to us, as we've been seeing on Sunday night. We've been going through the book of Revelations. It reveals things that will happen in the future. So it reveals all kinds of different things to us, but one thing that it does reveal, which I'd like to focus on today, is it reveals the nature of God. And What I mean by that is it teaches us who God is. God is not who I say is, who you say is. Let's just take all of our ideas and make. God is who the Bible teaches us that he is. That's what it reveals to us. That's one of the things that it reveals to the reader is who God actually is. What he is like. Some of his characteristics. Some of his qualities. That's what this book reveals to us. And I'd like to focus on that today. The Bible reveals the character of God. It gives us a small glimpse into who he actually is. It lets us look at at some of his characteristics. It lets us observe some of his qualities. Now, that's important to us because that's kind of how we identify who other people are. We know people, we know other people by their characteristics, by their qualities. We might say something like, He is very arrogant. Or we might say something like, she is very kind-hearted. Or we might say something like, he is so intelligent. Those are characteristics assigned to an individual that help us identify who that person is. These are characteristics that we use to describe someone, to identify people. A person's attributes are ways that we know them and understand who they are. And that's what this Bible does. It teaches us attributes of God. It teaches us characters and qualities of God. And we can know who God is. He can be revealed to us. We could say things like, a person is nice. Greedy, driven, loving, harsh, rude, tender, funny, or merciful. Those are all different types of qualities we can assign to an individual. And the Bible reveals all those things to us and assigns those qualities to God. If I said to you this morning, just to pick a name, Johnny, if I said to you this morning, Johnny is very funny, you might expect that the next time you're around Johnny, whoever this is, make-believe individual is, you might expect Johnny to say something funny, or to do something funny, or to crack some sort of joke, because that's what, how we could describe this individual. He is a funny person. That's one of his qualities. It's one of his characteristics. Now, if I say Johnny is funny, that doesn't tell us everything about Johnny, but it does tell us a little something about Johnny. This is what parables in the Bible do. They, they tell us, they reveal little things to us. Now maybe that doesn't give you the whole entire picture and you can't say I understand everything about God just by looking at one parable. But it does give you a little peek, a little glimpse into some qualities of the God that we serve. They give us a little glimpse into who God is. They reveal his nature and they reveal some of his attributes. Now listen, a parable is just really it's a short story to illustrate or to make a point. About the character of God. That, that's really what a parable is. And we know that the Lord used Jesus used many parables. And he was trying to illustrate a point. He was trying to say. Here is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Or he's trying to say. This is what God is like. That's the whole point of what a parable is. If you remember a while back. I don't remember how many months. A number of months ago. Six, eight months ago. Maybe a year ago. I preached a sermon on the prodigal son. And if, if you can remember that. We, we always, to, to me, erroneously, we refer to that as the parable of the prodigal son. But that whole story is not actually about the prodigal son. There's no real revelation that people go astray. There's no real revelation that people screw things up. We all know that. The real revelation in that little parable that gives us a glimpse into God is the father. It's the way the father responds when that prodigal comes back. That's the revelation in that story. That's what a parable serves When the Lord's trying to tell us a parable, he's trying to say, hey, the Lord is like this. Here's one little glimpse into his quality, into his character, into his persona. He's like this. This is what God is like, he's trying to say. So for today, I'd like to go over another parable. Because I think the parables that the Lord Jesus gave us are very much worth a close examination. There's a parable called the parable of the lost sheep. It's found in Matthew and Luke. But I want to look at it in the book of Luke this morning. So if you can turn to Luke 15. You know that I use the King James Version of the Bible. That's okay if you don't. We'll put it up on the screens, but You can follow along in your Bible. Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. Is everyone glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yeah. I am. I love church. I love the Lord. Listen to Luke. Chapter 15, verse 1 says this, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners, for to hear him. Obviously, to hear Jesus. Verse 2 says, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Then he says, I say unto you in verse 7, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over ninety-nine just persons which needs no repentance. What a fantastic parable. Do you understand that Jesus is trying to say, this is who God is. Let me try and tell you a story about God. He, he, he's saying, let's first of all let's see at who he is telling this parable to, who he's talking to. You take note that it's the publicans and the sinners, or is who he is talking to. Now now, publicans were they're actually they were viewed as traitors to the Jewish people. What they were is they were Jews that. Uh, collaborated with the Romans. remember the Romans occupied and they ruled that t- those times back then, the huge Roman Empire. And what it is they found these Jews and most of them were the tax collectors. and they collaborated with these Romans and the, the, the publicans would tell them, well this person makes that much and this person does that for a living and then they were able to collect taxes. So the Jewish people viewed these publicans as traitors. Most of these publicans were hated, hated by the Jewish people. So publicans and sinners, the traitors and the sinners, and obviously the Pharisees and the scribes are always there to try to mess everything Jesus does up and criticize everything he does. So these are those are the people that he's telling this parable to. Okay, That's the context. And he's telling publicans and sinners. He's telling them this parable of the lost sheep. And, and Jesus is telling all these sinner, sinners and publicans that God is like this. And he tells them the story of the the God that has a hundred sheep. Or he even says, which one of you if you have a hundred sheep and one of them is lost, you go after your one sheep. He's saying God is just like that. That is how he is. That is his nature. It's saying that if God was in this circumstance, if God had a pasture and it had a hundred sheep in it, and one of them takes off. And becomes lost, and he looks and he says, wait a minute, there's 99, I had 100. Jesus is saying to the publicans and the sinners, he's saying, God, if he were in this situation, this is what he will do. This is what he would do. This is the steps that he would take. And it reveals to us a little glimpse into the nature of God. This is what God would do in this situation. Listen to He doesn't say, oh, well, it happens. He he doesn't say, well, I still have the majority left. I still have 99. That's still a pretty big flock. I still have 99. It's only one sheep. I still have a decent-sized flock. No, Jesus is saying to the publicans and the sinners that God does not accept the loss of one single sheep. Not one. He says, you guys, this is what God's going to do. He says, you guys stay here. I'm going to hide you in the wilderness. You stay here, 99. I have one lost, and I need to go and find this one lost. Jesus is saying, publicans and sinners, listen to me, that's what God is like. The Bible actually tells us that the Lord is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God could have his way in our hard hearts, everyone would be in heaven. But we reject him, and we millions and millions say, nope, I'm going to do it my own way. But God's saying, I would take all of humanity into heaven. Christ died for all of humanity, irregardless of the skin color or the language you speak. He died for all of humanity. And God is willing that all should come to repentance. Every last one of us. Every last one of us in this whole big giant world, the billions and billions of people. He's willing that everyone be saved. He's willing that not one person be left behind. Not one person be lost. And it says... If he lose one of them, meaning that one of those sheep goes lost. I asked you this morning, which one of you has not been that one lost sheep at one point in your life? Every single person in here, whether you know it or not, whether you admit it or not, you have been that lost sheep. Maybe you're even currently lost now. Lost to this world, lost to ourselves Lost to God, completely lost, lost to sin, can't see where you're going, can't find your way back, lost. Lost to the world. Which one of us hasn't been that in here? (laughs) All of us has gone astray. All of us have been that one sheep that peels off from the flock. All of us have at one point said, "Eh, I'm not going to do it the way the Bible says, I'm going to do it my way. All of us have said, "Mm, I'm not going to that pasture. I want to go to this pasture. All of us, every last one of us. Every last one of us has been the lost sheep that the Lord has have to come after and, and get us back again. Now if you think just for a moment, not me, I've never been lost. I'm good. I'm not a bad person. Then I will say this, the Bible in its entirety disagrees with you. The Bible in the Old Testament disagrees with you and the Bible in the New Testament disagrees with you. From cover to cover, it disagrees with you. The Bible teaches us that the heart is wicked, it's lost, that humanity is depraved. That's what it teaches us. Isaiah chapter 53, the, arguably, I would contest one of the most, one of the most substantial chapters in the, in the entire Bible. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. All of us. All of us at some point has said, I'm going to turn my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I ain't listening to you, Lord. I don't care what you say. I don't care what your word says. I'm going to do it my way. All of us. The Old Testament says that, and so does the New Testament. It's a constant battle for the good shepherd, or the Lord, to tend the flock. Constant. Constant battle to keep us from wandering off. Listen to me closely this morning. Everything that mankind or sheep touches gets screwed up. Everything that we touch gets messed up. We make a mess of everything. We constantly wander off. Look what we've done with government. Look what we've done with marriage. Look what we've done with families. Look what we've done with sexuality. Messed it all up the whole thing. We make a wreck out of everything that we touch. Everything. It's just by the grace of God that I haven't made a wreck out of this ministry. Pastor Joe hasn't made a wreck out of this ministry because of the grace of God. Everything that we touch, if it does not have God in it, if it's not spirit-led, it's going to be ruined by mankind. It's like we're cursed or something. Oh, wait a minute, we actually are cursed by sin. We wander towards cliffs' edges. We wander towards ditches. We wander towards traps. We wander towards wolves and predators. We wander towards other pastures. We, we think it's greener over there. I'll go over there. The rest of the dumb flock, their grass doesn't look as good as this. I'm going to go over here. It's a constant battle for the good shepherd. Constantly he has to stay and keep after us. Now the New Testament if you think you're not a wanderer if you think you're not that lost sheep the New Testament says this in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 25 it says for ye were as sheep going astray but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishops of your soul Peter says you're sheep going astray he's referring back to that scripture in the Old Testament Isaiah said it now the new says it in the New Testament Peter, the apostle Peter saying it saying every one of us were lost sheep going astray The Lord's saying, no, stay here, do this. And we're saying, nah, I'll go over here and I'll do this. And we make a mess of our lives. We've all been lost at some point. Listen closely. If you can't admit that you were at least once lost, or maybe even you're currently lost, listen to me, then Jesus can't save you. He can't save you. He can't. Why, you say? Because he came to save the lost. He came to people that are genuinely honest with themselves and they say, something's wrong with me. I'm broken. I don't work right. My thoughts are bad. I have evil motives. He can't save you if you can't figure that part out. Maybe there's some of us in here this morning that are even lost now. And I'm sure that everyone in this room has a loved one or a friend that's lost even now. I do. I have friends. I spent 16 years in a dirty old bakery, and man, I made some friends over the years. I used to pray for them, and they're lost, so many lost people. I saw one of them the other day, and my heart breaks for them because when I see them, in me, I see an old friend. I, I'm like, "Hey, how are you?" And, and I see in their eyes, there's no happiness. there's no joy. They, they got nothing. It, it's just heartbreaking. Brothers and sisters, just riddle me this. What happens to a sheep that wanders off and it has no shepherd? (laughs) When you have no shepherd, there's nobody to stave off the wolves. The the enemy will find you. The enemy will find that defenseless sheep and will have his way with the sheep. Do whatever he wants. You see, when the enemy sees a sheep wandering around lost, and there's no shepherd there to tend off his attacks, the enemy's going to say Hey, This one don't have no shepherd. Speak pornography into that person. Sow some gossip into her. Sow some discord. Lie to that sheep. Because there ain't no shepherd saying, no, no, the word of God says this. You need to avoid that stuff. There's no one there to to ward off the attack of the enemy. Ruin his faith. Ruin her marriage. Attack her children. Tell that teenager just to kill themselves. He or she isn't worth anything. Lie to them. Tell them that life is pointless. Tell them that there's no meeting. Tell them there's no sanctity to life. That it's not special and precious. Lie to that sheep. And when this good shepherd's not there, there's no one there to block all that filth and that garbage and those lies. And to, to poke them and to swing at them with the stick and say, get lost. And how many of us have had the enemy come and tell you you're worthless and you'll never change? Church has some decent folks in it, except for you. And If they knew the things you were into, they would tell you to get lost. Maybe the enemies come to you and told you, "Ah, that church is nothing but a bunch of phonies and hypocrites. They're all liars. Listen, when a sheep wanders off, it has no shepherd to protect it. When a sheep wanders off, it is susceptible to all the devices of hell. All, All the wickedness that generates from Lucifer, from Satan, all the filth all the trash that he can think up, and he will find your weakness, and he will exploit it to your ruin, to the ruin of your own soul. The sheep that wanders off will be lost, can't find its way back, doesn't even know what's true, doesn't even know what's false, doesn't even know what's truth, doesn't even know it's a lie. The world will have its way with the defenseless sheep until the good shepherd comes looking for you. Listen to what John 10.10 says. This is talking about the enemy. It says, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That, That is what the enemy comes for, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Listen to what he says in the next verse. Jesus tells us, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. There is an enemy out there, church. Whether we see it or not, whether we realize it or not, he is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his plan. It's just as simple as that. Steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. Steal your marriage, destroy it. Steal your family, steal your children, steal your joy, steal your happiness. Steal it all, ruin it, destroy it. Steal your faith, ruin it, destroy it, bring it to destruction. But the good shepherd says, I will give my life for the sheep. The good shepherd has an attitude. His, his approach says, I will give my life if that is what was required to save my lost sheep. The good shepherd sets out looking for his one lost sheep. Now remember back in our parable, who's he talking to? He's talking to the publicans, the traders, and the sinners. And he's telling them, this is what the Lord is like. He leaves the 99 and goes after that which is lost. Until he finds it. That's a good phrase, isn't it? Until he finds it. You see, I I have my wife gets mad at me, but I, when I lose something, I man look for it. (laughs) All you men know exactly. Matter of fact, you women know exactly what I'm talking about. Shannon, I lost my wallet, and I've looked everywhere. I looked everywhere. What that means is, I flipped the drawer open real quick and shut it, and I didn't see it. Now I'm undone. I can't find it. I lost it. And then she comes out, and I kid you not. She has looked in the very places I have extensively searched, and she finds it right there. Right in the exact location I looked. I promise it wasn't there, church. It wasn't there when I looked. But you understand, we don't serve a God that looks that way, He doesn't man look like we do. He goes and searches. Until he finds. He doesn't just look in the next pasture over. I don't see him over there. Well, he'll come back sometime. That's not his nature. That's not how he does things. He sets off and comes looking for you until he finds you. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that goes looking for your lost loved ones until he finds them? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that goes after the lost sheep? He sets out, he hides his ninety-nine in the wilderness, it says. You guys stay here, I'll be right back. i got to go looking for that one lost sheep. This is the parable that Jesus is telling the publicans and the sinners. He is saying, God is like this. He He will go and look for the lost sheep to the point that he will lay down his life for the sheep. The whole point of a parable is to tell us about God. This is how he feels about you. That's what a parable is saying. This is how God feels about you. Now let's look what happened. Let's look what happens when he finds the sheep. We're going to read verses 5 and 6 in, back in our parable in Luke 15. It says this, And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Do you see those words that says, When he has found it, he lays it upon his shoulders, rejoicing. He doesn't just drag it, Come here, sheep, and grab it by the ankle and just drag it behind him. He doesn't say, Come here, stupid. You know how much time this costed me? You know I'm God and i got a lot of important things to do. He doesn't say though, "Do you know how far I had to come to find you? Just do what I tell you to do. It's that simple." That's not his attitude. He actually finds it and he lays it upon his shoulders. He carries it. He carries the sheep. Tenderly carries, doesn't just yank it and say, "Come on." He picks it up and puts it on his shoulders and he carries. In other words, he does the work. When if he finds the lost sheep, he does the work. Hmm. He lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. Listen, for, for a lost sheep to be returned to his pastor. all the sheep has to do is let the good shepherd do his work. The good shepherd will do it. This, this is what the cross represents. good shepherd has done it. Just let the good shepherd do what he needs to do in your life. He will pick you up. He will put you on his shoulders and he will take you back to the flock. Now that's the part, church, that I have a hard time understanding. This is the part where I, I get a little lost. I, I can't figure it out. Uh, maybe I'm not scholarly enough to figure it out. Maybe I don't have enough biblical knowledge to figure it out. But I can't figure out why God would come after me. Or, or for that matter, you. Why does it even matter to him? He, he's God. Do you realize that? If God decided today. To come down here and just wipe me off. And there's a greasy spot where I used to be. Destroy my home. Ruin everything. Just wipe my family, clear off the map. Everything I've ever worked hard. If he wiped it, clear off the map. What would it matter to him? He's still God. He still sits on the throne. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. What's it matter to him? Why does he even care about me? Am I I not like an ant to him? I can't understand this. I can't understand why he's so concerned with us, but yet we have an, the entire Bible. The entire Bible is a story of love of God trying to reach down to humanity. I'm not scholarly enough to figure it out. I cannot figure that out. But God goes to these extreme measures to reveal his love to us, and I can't figure out why. Maybe you might think, because I deserve it. I don't think that about myself. I don't. I don't deserve it. I constantly pray, Lord, don't give me what I deserve. We don't deserve it. I didn't earn any of it. All I do is make a wreck out of everything. I can't figure out why he would do that. Why? Why He would still continue to be God, but yet we have this book from cover to cover. It's it's actually one, me and some buddies were talking about this, but this book, if, if you look at it just a little bit, you'll think it's a patchwork of stories. You'll think, well, this person said this and that. But if you really study the Bible, it actually becomes one continuous story from the, from the beginning to the end. And it's actually a love story of God reaching down to screwed up humanity for God to reveal His love. I think that's one of the reasons why God created humanity. We could ask, why did he even make man? If it's going to get this messed up, why did he even make us? The world is so much, we made a mess of everything. Look at all the disease and hate, the crime and this and that. I think it's so he could demonstrate love. That's what I believe. So he could demonstrate real, true love. That's what the cross represents, real, true love. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says this. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet, peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, who takes it another step higher, commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. These are some of the extreme measures that God has taken To demonstrate his love for us. To demonstrate it. He did it. He didn't just tell us about it. He did this. He did the act of the cross. It's a demonstration of love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know that Jesus went to the cross knowing that there would be people that would blaspheme his name to their dying breath. Yet he still did it. Yet he's still willing that they be saved. Hmm brothers and sisters that this whole book it is the story of the good shepherd going after his lost sheep. That's what the whole book is. It is very simple. We overcomplicate things and I know there's uh, lots of these and vows, and it can get confusing and I know there's some Old Testament language, it's Old English, hard to understand but that's all that this book really is. It's the story of the good shepherd going after his lost sheep. I want to ask you when he found you I know some of you have been saved a long time. Maybe some just not very long. When he found you, what state did he find you in? When he found you as a lost sheep, what state did he find you in? Were you a hypocrite? Were you a liar? Were you prideful? Were you arrogant? Had you just finished up making a series of terrible decisions? Were you hateful? Were you drowning in substance abuse? Were you deceived? Were you suicidal? Were you vain? Were you sexually immoral? What state did he find you in? Brothers and sisters, to be a lost sheep can encompass a myriad of sinful lifestyles, can't it? Have not we made a wreck of our lives sometimes? Oh my goodness, I always say that if some of my mistakes were displayed on these screens for people to see, I would be so embarrassed and so ashamed because we make such a mess out of our lives. And I know you feel the same way. If I I could pull some of those deep memories that we try to suppress of the things we screwed up and play them on the screens, we'd all be so embarrassed and probably never show our faces again. Because we make such a mess out of things. Oh, to be a lost sheep can encompass so many goofy things, so many sins and trespasses. What a mess we make. If I could call the band to make their way back, please, I'll bring this to a close but we serve a God that leaves the 99 and goes after the one stray. Amen. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for this parable. For just these little stories that Jesus says to give us a glimpse into the real nature of God. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says this. Says for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, depths, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what that's saying in a nutshell? It's saying there is no distance He won't cover to come and get you. There's no place He won't come in to come and get you. Maybe it'll be a bar stool He's come and got some of you. Maybe it's in a corner office in a high-rise building, he would come to get you. He will come anywhere, he'll cover any distance. Maybe it's a jail cell, he'll come to get you. He'll find you in a car, he'll find you in a grocery store. He will come and find you until he finds you. He searches until he finds his lost sheep. We have to understand this. There is no, nothing, nothing that separates us from the love of God. His love goes through all barriers doesn't matter the nationality, doesn't matter, matter your culture, doesn't matter the society you live in. He will come and he will find you. Listen, even the psalmist says, if I make my bed in hell, behold thou art there. There's nowhere we can go to escape the good shepherd. He's going to come and he's going to find you. Let him have his way in your heart this morning. New hope All those listening via live stream, I I hope that you hear me this morning. That that is what God is like. That's what God's like. That's the meaning of this parable. Jesus is saying, He is like this. This is one of His qualities and characteristics. That's the God we serve. Amen?